Hello there. For the sake of understanding today, I want you to think of your skin like it is a container. And inside that main container, there are many littler containers. Some people have more than others. Inside each of those internal containers is a person. A person with its own personality, its own experiences, its own beliefs, its own way of seeing the world, its own preferences. Essentially, each aspect within you, each person, is its own ego. You are not a singularity. You are a multitude. You can stop thinking of yourself as a single person in order to grasp the truth of how your life in this human embodiment actually functions. We call each little container person a part. These parts are in various stages of growth and development. They have different relationships with each other. People are not born this way. These parts are created through trauma. A person fragments themselves to cope with the world. We allow certain people out of their little containers and into our body. So they come forward and begin to animate us. Now when this happens, we think that we are that person who has come through us. We think that those beliefs are our complete beliefs. Those perceptions are our perceptions. The way they feel is how we feel. Essentially, we identify with each one that comes through us. For thousands of years, the standard practice has been to decide which parts of self, and specifically one part of self, is acceptable, the most acceptable, and then to identify fully with that, and to disallow all other parts from being acknowledged and from coming forward. This is called selective identification. A guru is a person who has decided to identify with only one part of himself or herself. In the beginning of their disciplined practice, if any of these parts within them come forward that they do not fully accept, that does not align with the one persona that they have selected as appropriate, they ignore it, they invalidate it, they simply shift all of their focus towards how that one part would feel towards the circumstance that is arising, they ask for that one perspective to come forward, and they act in accordance with that one perspective. This is their discipline. They do not honor the truth or reality of any other part within them except the one that they allow to be the only ego that exists. The discipline of self-abandonment. That like it or not, these parts they deny are also them. Now the sad part is, with a guru, their identity is made up of their concept of what an enlightened being is. Whether or not that's actually a reflection of truth. So let's say that your concept of a guru is somebody who's constantly forgiving, who does not feel anger at all, someone who enjoys the world, who has constant positive focus. If you experience something, or the guru experiences something in their life that isn't going right, and they feel the aspect of themselves that's angry, that part of themselves has to be denied, rejected, disowned, banished to the dungeon. They have to selectively identify instead with their concept of the persona, the part of them, that is in that state of guruhood, their concept of guru. I'm not angry. So they will jump into that perspective 
At first it will feel a bit fake. They will be putting on a show. The show of, I feel no anger towards them at all. The show of, I'm in a pure positive state of forgiveness. But after a while, they will begin to identify so much with this part, they will mistake it for the totality of themselves. Now, the problem with completely identifying selectively with one ego is that you cannot acknowledge any other aspect within the self. This is when it becomes highly dangerous. Why? Because everything that that person does has to be explained through that one persona. So let's say you've got an aspect of self that's a pedophile, but you can't actually acknowledge that there is that aspect of self, maybe a self that's trying desperately to get at its own innocence through children. This is how a guru can have sex with a bunch of little kids, for example. They can do that because they have an excuse that falls under the category of the one ego that they have selectively identified with. An ego that says, for example, I'm healing them by doing this. To put it mildly, a guru is perhaps the most selectively identified person that exists, which is why the time has come for the guru to no longer exist in the form that it has existed in for thousands of years through selective identification. The rest of the egos within them starve. They are not just suppressed. They are literally denied to the point that they are imprisoned in a dungeon and the guru throws away the key. The guru has no conscious access to them after that point. The guru becomes one-dimensional, and the outside world begins to reflect that. Now from the outside, most people around the guru doesn't understand why so much in the guru's life is falling apart. How can people be so cruel? How can this kind of stuff be happening to them? It's because all of those things are a reflection of what they have buried, those parts that they do not allow to have any part in their embodiment. For example, many people, including gurus, that cut themselves off from the unacceptable parts of themselves have made the child parts within them unacceptable too. After all, children do not control their emotions like a guru should. A guru cannot be a guru if they're out of control of their emotions. And so you will see the guru's own actual children in life become lost to them. They may die, they may be separated from them by their spouses, they refuse to see them, and the list goes on and on. All of which is an outer reflection of the way the person's own inner children parts have been cut off and lost to them. All of these parts of self, they need to be completely integrated. They need to be brought closer to one's being and allowed to merge in a way where a person becomes unified. Now many of you have heard the saying, which wolf do you want to feed? It's one of the most famous spiritual principles in existence. Do you want to feed the negative wolf or feed the positive wolf? Those of you who feed the positive wolf and ignore the negative wolf don't actually understand that the negative wolf is part of you. You are starving a part of yourself. You are selectively identifying. You are not integrating. I have been teaching authenticity. Now let's take authenticity to the next level. Authenticity is not who you as one being separate of all these parts are. Authenticity is who all of these parts are, and also none of these parts are. That is who you really are. Authenticity is enabling the spectrum of selves to decide together on an essence, a unity. This is integration. So why don't people do this already? 
They don't do it because it's infinitely harder. Selectively identifying with the persona which doesn't feel pain in certain circumstances is a hell of a lot easier than trying to weave into your being an aspect of self that does feel pain. Another way of putting this, it is infinitely harder to integrate a persona which is in pain than it is to banish that person to a container and then into a dungeon. So, for thousands of years, the standard practice for the guru has been selective identification, and they teach their disciples selective identification until an entire school of thought is formed around selective identification. So in Christianity, it might be become like the Christ. It's not acceptable to be anything other than that one persona. In Buddhism, it's become the Buddha. So it's not acceptable to allow any other aspect of self that is not the Buddha. This is an outdated form of consciousness. So the next state in the game was essentially disidentification, becoming none of them, owning none of them, integrating none of them. Teachers have come and they have taught this discipline, but in this discipline there is no self. It is selflessness. It is basically taking oneself out of the game of life. And so the universe has asked for the next step in the game. And this is it. The universe wants to see embodied, united selfhood, the conscious game of life. You can use disidentification one of three ways. Either you can use disidentification so as to identify selectively with one persona. Or you can use disidentification to unite with none of the personalities. A state of pure beingness that is not identified with a selfhood. Or you can disidentify so as to use that disidentified essence to create a unity through all the multiplicity of selves so as to become a unified embodiment. Now, I will warn you that it is very difficult to practice disidentification to create genuine integration in a world that believes that selective identification is the way to goodness, the way to rightness, the way to happiness, and the way to health. When you begin this process of genuine integration, which trust me, I will go into in depth over the course of my career, you are not going to have an easy time because your ego judges you next to other people. It exists in a state of comparison. When you compare yourself to somebody who is selectively identified, you will feel yourself wanting. You're going to feel the aspects of you that are not in that perfect state of health, happiness, or joy that their selective persona is currently experiencing. But I have an analogy for you. Let's pretend that you were to get into a high-speed car crash. 70 miles an hour, you roll your car on the highway and every single bone in your body is shattered. Maybe you could amputate a limb. And by amputating that limb, you wouldn't have to go through the painful process of the bone healing, all the fragments coming together again. You would be out of pain quicker. What the universe is essentially asking of you on this multi-dimensional level is to be the person who gets in the car crash, but who enables all the fragmented aspects of self to come back together instead of to amputate. 
when you are in pain during this process because you're comparing yourself to other people, other gurus, other spiritual teachers who seem like they are in a better place than you are. It is usually because you're comparing yourself to someone who is selectively identified. They are not in a process of integration. So of course they seem like they are healthier. It is because the persona they have chosen to see the life through to the exclusion of all their other parts isn't in pain. Now here's the other difficult part. The people who are selectively identified will be expecting the same thing of you. They'll tell you that it's easy. As easy as switching into the self that feels happiness all the time. As easy as forgiving. As easy as letting go. As easy as being present. Because they're selectively identified. If you plan to integrate the aspects of selves that are in pain, who don't hold the enlightened perspective of the guru self, you will probably be in pain longer. But here's the thing. You might, just like that victim whose limbs were shattered, be in pain longer than someone who amputates. What you will end up with at the end of this is a unified self, a selfhood in a state of wholeness. The truth is that these selves within when integrated will merge as one, and in doing so, so will the universe at large. It is what the universe meant when thousands of years ago humanity conceptualized of there being a father, the adult, the son, which is the inner child, and the Holy Ghost, the higher self. All will become one. The secret is that the seed of each is contained in the other. So, for example, by cutting oneself off from the inner child, one cannot fully access the higher self. One can only act in a way where according to an identity, a selected identity, they seem like they have reached the state of the higher self. And so I am here to tell you that the age of selective identification is officially over. The new call from consciousness is to consciously allow these fragmented aspects of selves the various parts, to merge into one essence, the divine singularity, which was the universe's real plan for embodiment in the first place. Have a good week.